0: What's real? The real question is what's real? What's,
1: real? what's good, everybody? Welcome to episode two of the What's Real podcast. I am Ed, along with Jared. What is good, man? How you doing?
0: What's real? Hey, Ed, what's real? I'm doing good, brother. How are you?
1: Uh, you know, another day. I'm uh, almost running on empty at this point, but uh, feeling good, ready to go here for week two. Um, and, uh, what do you say we just jump into it this week, man?
0: Yeah, for sure. But if, uh, if I can, um, because some people were asking me, uh, people that don't know us too well and they were saying, you know, Jared, why, what's with the Hey Ed and basically your, your nickname. So I wanted to throw that out there at the peeps real quick. Um, so, Our our crew, you know, our close inner circle of friends that we we referenced last week, um, you know, all our boys, uh, you know, we pretty much all have nicknames for each other. And and of course, you know, which is the whole point to this rant is um, Ed's is hey, Ed. And that came up in junior high. We would all get together, our group, and we would hacky sack every morning before school. And then we would head in and we would hang out for as long as we could with each other until it was time for for us to go on with our, our class schedule and all that. And every day, our boy Jason Lewis, he he always knew that Ed would have gum on him because Ed always had gum. So every morning, and it was pretty much routine, Jason Lewis would come up to us and come up to Ed specifically and say, hey, Eel, give me some gum. And after hearing that constantly, day in and day out, eventually that just developed into us calling Ed, hey, Ed, because of hey, Eel. Give me some gum. So off the bat, just wanted to explain that, and that's why on this podcast you'll be hearing me say hey at a lot.
1: <laughs> exactly. So uh, it's it's weird, too. It's not something that, like, like I it, – it, this is another thing, too, and I'm just going to throw the caveat in there. Don't do that. Not you, but everybody – don't call me that. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to start no, And the reason why I'm saying that is because – For years, people would hear that and then try and do it, but they they do it wrong, and it's just like like hey hey Ed, it's like (laughs) don't like you like it's like if you can't do the inflection correctly, don't do it. And the reason why most people can't do it correctly is because they didn't hear it originally. Like if you didn't hear it originally, you're not gonna get how it was said, and you're probably gonna do it wrong just don't do it it's easier trust me well and and i'll miss the the people that say it got it down
0: (laughs) i'll miss the opportunity to bring this up so i have to bring it up too so we're you know unscheduled starting off with some some funny personal stuff but um our buddy guillermo our mutual friend he he would joke when we were kids that he overheard his mom in the bathroom the one time and that it sounded like Oh, Jesus, how she farted. And just to your point, everybody would come up to him and be like, hey, Guillermo, do your story. Do the bar to the fart noise. And nobody could get it right to your point. And that just popped in my head because the way you explained that. So I just had to tell that one, too.
1: Well, and it's also funny because, like, we took that one even further. Like so it was like people would do it like there was like. I don't know, like a small handful of people that could do that, anyways. And then it became a joke of like doing it bad on purpose. Yeah, like we'd just walk up to Gu- Guillermo and be like, "Hey, Guillermo, tell me your barrent r- story." Ha ha ha! <laughs> like, because yeah. it's it. You know it's funny? One of the few people who actually could do it correctly was my dad. <laughs>
0: nah, that's great. <laughs>
1: Can't Why? Behave. I have no idea. But yeah, this, these are the wondrous things that uh, come out of our life, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Fart because you he nicknames.
0: He would just be so into it. Like, you know, you guys don't know Guillermo, but he would just get all stoic and be like, bruh, bruh. and just like it was his thing, man. It was just so funny. But I, I didn't want to miss the opportunity to put that out there into the ether of the world.
1: Yeah, and obviously I wanted to uh, extend a thank you to a lot of folks that checked out uh, the first episode that we did uh, that released oh, yeah, last man. week. Uh, we heard from a lot of people. We really appreciate all the support and all the listeners. Uh, obviously, we're going to have some some something later on in the show that we're going to tell you guys about that will be cool for listeners because we want to hear from you guys, and we want some input on things, and we're going to ask you guys for your input on the show periodically. Um, so we'll tell you about all that later on in the show. But, um, but you know, what do you see we get down to brass tacks and get into the first topic this week, which is probably going to be a long one. Um,
0: yeah, man, I'm licking my chops, brother. Can't wait to dive right in.
1: So last weekend we saw the wild card weekend in the NFL, meaning uh, lots of playoff games, specifically for. <laughs> Uh, and me and you had uh, predictions that we made last week, and we'll take a look and see who got what right on that as well. But we're going to dive into it, and we're going to get into the game that probably gave us the most joy this past weekend, that game being the Tennessee Titans defeating the New England Patriots 20-13. It's just nice to say that out loud, isn't it?
0: na 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 Oh. Hey, hey, hey. See you Brady, you freak piece of trash.
1: Jesus, this fucking guy. Seriously, I'm sorry if you're a Patriots fan, you're probably not going to like this show um or us in general cuz we are going to take every possible moment to laugh at Tom Brady that we can. Um I actually we hey, we said it on the show last week. Tennessee was going to win this game.
0: Yeah, we called it, man. Um good game though, you know. Got to admit that. But the biggest thing for me in this game was derrick henry um the the nfl running backs in in the modern age are nowhere near as dominant as they have been in the past and for him to have 130 yards in the first half alone was the backbone to the the victory for the titans in my opinion
1: yeah i i think that uh mike vrabel had a really good game plan um which also included uh trolling his former coach
0: yeah Uh, that was great
1: that was fantastic and i'm i mean seriously to watch Belichick losing his mind over something that he's done to other teams is great. Um, That's see, I think that's the biggest problem that we have with new England. It's not that they're good and you know, or they they've cheated, which they have multiple times uh, or things like that. It's just the constant, you know, they won six Super Bowls, right? So it's kind of stupid, like when you see them lose a game in Week Nine, and it, it looks like everybody's dog just died. It's ridiculous. These are these guys are pros. Ninety nine point nine percent of professionals handle the game exactly as that professionals. But New England, time after time, sad sacks, poor losers, just jerks. It's just. It's not hard to understand, especially if you're not a a New England Patriots fan. Um, But, yeah, good for them. That's what they deserve, especially this season. And it's also disappointing up to this point to me that we have yet to hear any kind of conclusion whatsoever on the thing that happened this year with them uh, filming the Bengals on their sideline.
0: Yeah, and I think we can admit that being pittsburgh steeler fans why we hate the patriots so much is because we have to admit they have owned us um the, you know the only time we beat them was in a regular season game that we didn't even go to the playoffs that that year last year so well no uh, they beat know, them it, in the regular makes, season
1: years ago it's just I, I, we even went it's to just, just the big games and the playoff games it's, yeah yeah the playoff games are where it, it kills
0: yeah, and of course, I was at that, that classic game with the, the Jesse James play at the end. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's, that's the biggest thing is, is just our, our rivalry and, and them definitely having the advantage to us. But, but they are also uh, annoying to most other NFL uh, fans as well because of uh, what you were stating. So, you know, I, I just think that it, it is going to be the end of an era. You know, Brady's contract is up and speculation is running rampant, if you will, about if he's going to re-sign with the Patriots. But at the end of the day, what we know now, and we just got to go by the facts, he said that he is not retiring.
1: Yeah, and I I didn't think he would. Um, I just didn't see that coming from him after this season. Um, So what do you you think, man? Do you think he's going to stay in New England? Do you think he's going to go somewhere else? Uh, And if you do think he's going to go somewhere else, do you have a landing spot that you think would be good for him?
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, the the Vegas odds have him in Cleveland, which is weird because they signed That's... the number one draft pick as a quarterback. And I feel like they have to stick with that. You know, um, he hasn't done Baker Mayfield what they had anticipated or wanted, obviously. But in the grand scheme of things, he was a number one draft pick. So um, I don't I don't know where those Vegas are, odds come from and what breaks them down. But just to report those, you know, and. The thing is, as far as him staying in New England, I think it's just going to be up to what he wants. You know, uh, If he's going to want another five years and X amount of dollars or something like that, then I do see him going somewhere else if he's not going to retire.
1: Well, I don't think that he's going to give them a break, uh, not price-wise. I think you're going to see something very similar to what Drew Brees has been doing the last few years with the one-year contracts that he signs every year. Um, I don't think he's going to go back to New England. I really – I just don't. Um, But, you know, I don't really see too many good fits. I've been hearing the Chargers, which makes sense because it's Los Angeles, but it doesn't make any sense because it's the Chargers. Um, Somebody made a good point. I saw something this past weekend where they said, so the team that was – that's moving on from Philip rivers is going because he's too old, essentially and his place, starting to slip. So they're going to sign Brady. Who's five years older than Philip rivers. Yeah. I mean, stranger I mean, things have happened, but it's it just, I don't know. I, I, I don't that. I guess that's kind of where I stand right now. I don't see him in new England next year. Um, he's not going to retire. Um, but I'm just so used to him being a Patriot that I don't really foresee him going anywhere, even if he does. So wherever he goes, it's going to be kind of a surprise, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, and that's what's funny with you bringing up the Philip Rivers um, comparison with the age thing in L.A. is I, I was cracking up when they're bringing up, of course, oh, he's coming to Pittsburgh what he's that's the the last place he's coming. I think people you know it's online people just say say anything and, and you know uh, a local radio host Mark Madden that I listen to that has a sports heavy talk show um, some of the callers were saying that and, and of course it's just that ridiculous end of people and rumors and speculation and that sort of thing but I think Pittsburgh is like the last team he would end yeah, up with it's
1: they're not even going to make an attempt it's just not no. there's no way um, they need
0: you know a franchise young quarterback. So uh, us us in the know just scoff at that. But I, I just had to bring it up because I, I did hear you know certain idiots in classic Yinzers like my you know, Steelers yeah, it,
1: like I don't understand why anybody would want him here. I, I just don't, and it's not I'm not shitting on Tom Brady as a player either. It just doesn't the matchup. So he's going to come to Pittsburgh and backup Ben Roethlisberger like I just don't think that's gonna happen
0: the biggest thing is his age and he didn't set the world on fire this year I mean he didn't have the best offensive uh, offense around him either but you know come on Uh, again with his age and the the kind of money he's gonna want and different things like that it's it would never fit here
1: yeah I mean the Steelers obviously need another quarterback uh not to be you know a starter but to for backup but There's no way they're going to be spending any more than uh, I was just thinking out loud. Like maybe two to three million a year for a backup, if they even go after anyone, anyways. Um, And it's certainly not going to be a Tom Brady. It's most likely to be somebody like a Blake Bortles, if anything. Um, But uh, yeah, Brady, I I don't foresee that happening uh, in Pittsburgh. No,
0: but as always, you know, we'll we'll just uh, have to wait and see, and it's definitely going to be interesting um, on Tom Brady's future.
1: And uh, we're going to move right along here, unless you have anything to add on that game. I think we pretty much covered that as well as we could. Um, yeah, for sure. So I'm going to go to what I would consider, and this isn't a diss really, but the least exciting game of the weekend, which was the last game of the weekend, which was the Seattle Seahawks defeating the Philadelphia Eagles 17-9 in a game that— was a lot different than what people thought it would be uh, as Carson Wentz got knocked out in the game uh, by uh, Jadavian Clowney and he did not return from that injury uh, which is starting to be the, the norm uh, for for Carson Wentz um, I, I will say this it, it probably was a dirty hit um, I'm, I'm absolutely shocked that it wasn't called on the field um, but at the same time Uh, dirty hit or not man you got to be durable in the NFL and I think if if Carson Wentz has proven anything in his career um it's just that he, he just really is not durable enough to last a season that's why they were in such a prime position with Nick Foles there but now he's gone and you know, Josh McCown got to play, who, who, by the way, played way better than I expected him to in that game. Um, even yeah, though he came the, from like coaching kids. The, yeah, the, the Eagles were running on uh, on fumes at that point anyway. But nonetheless, they they couldn't overcome Seattle. I didn't think they were going to beat Seattle as we spoke on the show last week. Um, but yeah, like I said, least exciting game. But wh- what did you think about the hit and the stuff going on with Wentz?
0: Yeah, I mean, it's just a shame. We we alluded to it last week when we were talking about this Pittsburgh Steelers and James Conner being injury-prone. And, it, it, you know, we had said, and it, it correlates with this in and, and Carson Wentz, uh, guys don't want to get hurt at the end of the day. And, and all, all these people ripping on them and things like that, like, you know, you see those memes where there's pictures of Samuel L. Jackson as Mr. Glass uh, from those, those M. Night Shyamalan movies and things like that, uh, which I did think was funny, honestly, but um, – you know, just the joke aspect of it. But at the end of the day, they, they don't want to get hurt. However, and again, it's it's the same t- kind of thing that we were talking about with James Conner. When you are injury prone and you get labeled as it, it that, it is what it is. And he has been injured at the end of every season for what? The last three years in a row? Yep. So, um, you know, to your point, yeah, it's, it's, it's tough to kind of say what, what you can do about that. Because he has been a consistent quarterback at times. But but again, he kind of had a wishy-washy year. They just squeaked into the playoffs. So uh, as far as the hit goes, um, to, for it to not even have a flag was was ridiculous. I mean, he completely led with the helmet. And as a lot of NFL players will tell you, because I, I watched a lot of interviews you know, stemming from this hit and, and different opinions and takes on it. Some of them said that those hits from the back of, you know, to the back of the head, yep. which is obviously what happened in this case, were, were the worst of their careers. So you have a guy coming down, you know, after a quarterback is, is, you know, he was a runner at the time. I get that. But he's already tackled kind of falling forward. And then Clowney comes in at the very end, helmet first into the back of his helmet. The bottom line is at the least that deserved a, a penalty. So, you know, if if not, like you said, a fine and suspension and the whole thing. But for absolutely nothing to happen is, is surprising and, in, in my opinion, ridiculous.
1: Yeah, I would agree with that. Uh, and it's no mystery um, to those who know anything about the Seattle Seahawks. They won off the power of Russell Wilson's arm. Um, he had some amazing uh, throws to DK Metcalf, which... Uh, I I will say this man you know in 2021 that's going to be a combination to watch because because Metcalf's only getting better Russell Wilson almost was MVP caliber this year Uh, you could still make the argument that he's the MVP of the league even though I think most people would go with Lamar Jackson there still is an argument to be made and he's about the only other player besides Lamar Jackson I think we could say that about
0: yeah that's what I was going to say I agree with that
1: he had a great game also Marshawn Lynch had another pretty uh, successful game for them as well and Uh, they were apparently really impressed by him uh, every week he's been with the team and by that I mean not just the way that he plays but the first week he was there he played sparingly Uh, he said that he felt great uh, so he's ready for the next game he wasn't even that sore or anything they played him this past weekend he did really good and word is now that even you know the following game uh, that they're going to use him even more Um, so that's interesting nonetheless too because you got a an angle to a team that you haven't really seen all year that's new because you know Marshawn Lynch was not even in the league uh, yeah
0: for a preparation month ago. purposes exactly and his touchdown run was awesome yeah he got he got, looks he good, got man. stuffed right in the chest and then just kept going and that's why they don't call him the beast for for
1: nothing that's it man so uh you got anything else to add on that one the Jay?
0: no i think we covered that one man it's was, it was, you know all all the games were were pretty good and um you know, we'll get into it later on our picks, but yeah, I mean, you know, things things went the way that I expected
1: overall. And speaking of that, uh, the one game that I got wrong and you got right was the the next game we're going to talk about. That's the Minnesota Vikings beating the New Orleans Saints 26 to 20, in which is easily the most controversial game of the weekend. Um, so I got to start it off with this man. Was that pass interference or no?
0: <laughs> the Saints and pass interference. <laughs> yeah, they're going to have to
1: change the rules uh, again. Apparently,
0: <laughs> can you believe it? And um, you know, overall, uh, most NFL fans and um, you know NFL pros all have said that that review of pass interference just did not work this year, and I completely agree with that. Uh, honestly, I was I was a proponent of it because of what happened at the end of the season last year with New Orleans. But it just seemed like anybody that challenged pass interference this, this year, any coach, it never went their way. And this is another prime example, man. It's just, um, you know, it, I, I just I just think that they have to they they have to figure something out with this.
1: Yeah, it's because uh, here is the thing: um, Do I think it should have been called on the field? Probably not. But those plays are all reviewed. Uh, their scoring play, it's especially a scoring play to win the game. Um, I mean, a penalty, this is just my belief, and this is every sport, anything, right? A penalty is a penalty is a penalty. You have exactly. it in there for You have a to be
0: consistent.
1: You've right. made that a rule. Uh, if it doesn't get called on the field, okay. But you have the opportunity to go back and get it right. That's the system you've created then go back and get it right. And this is somebody that is completely tired of the Saints because I don't know if you know this or not, but for the last three seasons, the New Orleans Saints have had their season end in the playoffs, in a playoff game, in the very last play of the game.
0: That's unbelievable.
1: Um, you know, it's it, on one hand, do they have a point? Absolutely. On the other hand, at this point, guys, win a playoff game by 10 points or more. Come on. Like mm-hmm. it's and I'm not and I know that might sound silly, but like dude, the New Orleans Saints were one of the best teams all season long. They have one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. They have the most unguardable wide receiver in the game today and one of the most explosive offenses in the NFL. Why can't they win that game by more? than 10 points and I mean they lost 26 to 20 against a quarterback in Kurt Cousins that everyone was constantly saying cannot win the big game so how the hell does that happen
0: no, it's, it's ridiculous, man, and and, and I, I definitely agree with you, and, and they talk about this a lot in the NFL when it comes down to a, a kicker missing a game-winning field goal or an overtime field goal. Uh, a lot of the players say, you know, it shouldn't have came down to that, you know, especially the head coaches will say, well, it shouldn't have came down to those three points, but you know, that's the NFL. That's that's football as a sport, man. It's going to come down to those little plays is, you know, the, the famous um, monologue in Any Given Sunday that Al Pacino's character gives and, you know, comes down to the inches and all that and, and that's that's that that's unfortunately what it's going to come down to you know unfortunately for the Saints I should say and I agree with you I mean they they should have been the dominant team but we, we you know we said that going into it last week and our um, predictions of that game that it was going to be tight and you had even said Ed that it was going to be a, a better and tighter game than, than people thought with the Saints playing at home and things like that so you know the, at the end of the day it came down to that one play and it's unfortunate that it was a controversial play, but you know that that's what happened and and the saints are are at home, and Minnesota's moving along
1: and I know it might sound a little bit weird because a lot of people don't buy into things like this, but there's no doubt that Minnesota playing in New Orleans, they got a little bit of magic. You know what I mean That seems to be a good place for yes. them to play. They don't really seem to have a lot of trouble there, like other teams do. Um, so it's interesting, you know what I mean, and yeah, it's probably because
0: uh, they're they're a fellow dome team, you know, so they're used to a dome, so yep. even though it's you know you got the hostile territory of uh more Saints fans in the arena and things like that, but at the end of the day it's a comparable place that they're very used to playing in you know that environment,
1: yeah, and it's unfortunately going to be back to the drawing board for another season for the New Orleans Saints. And moving along here to the last game of the weekend, and without a doubt, in my opinion, which was the best game of the weekend, was the Buffalo Bills falling to the Houston Texans, 22 to 19, in the game of the week. One of the best games of the season, without a doubt. And man, I I gotta, you know, it's not much that you'll hear me say this, but obviously, you have to give credit. To Deshaun Watson, in, which was a, an amazing performance, but also, in losing, I thought Josh Allen, even though he made some mistakes, he was the one guy out there that I was really impressed by him, man. He was putting it all on the line. This dude was literally running sweeps and getting smashed by safeties. He was trying to yeah. hurdle guys. He's trying to lateral the ball back, like doing everything to get them to win the game. Um, and you know, they, they had every opportunity. They were up, what, 16 nothing at halftime?
0: Yeah, I was going to say that, that that opening drive, it looked like they were just coming out, you know, guns blazing. They did some trick plays. Josh Allen caught a touchdown pass in, in a trick play off the bat, and they were looking like Houston walked into a buzzsaw. But that's that's what happens in the, the flow of an NFL game, man. You know, things kind of settled down, and, you know, Houston got it calm and kind of got their their rhythm and things like that and it turned into a back and forth battle but yeah to your point man it was a great game you know all the way into overtime
1: yeah and that one run that deshaun watson not the run but uh deshaun watson literally got smashed by two guys for for buffalo found a way out of it completed a major pass in the game it was literally one of the best plays i've seen all season and what was nothing less than a herculean effort uh, by Deshaun Watson, who was, you know, I don't want to say single-handedly won the game, but he's definitely the guy that put them in the driver's seat.
0: Yeah, man. And that, that was a performance he needed for his career. Um, cause he's definitely a solid quarterback and, you know, he had the, the great season going and he got hurt. Um, you know, not too long ago, was that last year or the year before, but, um, this was only his second NFL playoff start, so this kind of cemented him as somebody that can, you know, you always got to get over that hump to prove that you could win the big game and and that was his performance uh, last Sunday, man.
1: Yeah. Kudos absolutely. To him. Yep. So, you know, the, here's the games that we have moving forward now. We have the Tennessee Titans are going to go into Baltimore and play the Ravens, and you know what, I'll tell you what, man, I I do think that the Ravens are going to win that game, but, man, I would not be surprised at all if Tennessee beat them. I definitely think the Titans are the one team that can give them some issues.
0: Yeah, man, we're in the nitty gritty of the playoffs, and of course every matchup is is great in its own right. But to me personally, that's that's the number one. I think that the, the Titans Ravens match is is the tightest game. Um, we, we spoke of it last week. Momentum in the NFL is huge and off steam rolling through New England last week. I think the Titans still have that momentum coming into Baltimore. But Baltimore has been the best team in the NFL this year. So the the, the battle of battle the Titans between well, you know pun intended yeah uh, between the the team with the most momentum against the most consistent best overall team of the year is going to be the the game of the playoffs so far and um you know that's a tough call man I've I, a lot of the time I, I when it's this tight of a game I kind of lean towards the home team but I'm going to go ahead and especially with being a Steelers fan fuck the Ravens I'm yep. going to go with the Titans for my pick for that game.
1: I, I, you know what? I'm going to do the same thing. Even though I do think the Ravens are going to win, I'm picking the Titans because I, I think there's a strong chance of an upset, and I'm just going to call it right now. So, yeah, I'll, I'll go with Tennessee in that game. Um, also in the AFC, uh, a rematch from earlier this season, the Houston Texans going into Kansas City to play the Chiefs in a place where they've already won this year. They have went there and beat the Chiefs at home. Um, but unfortunately for them, I don't think it's going to happen this time. Um, I think Kansas City, as far as the AFC goes, they are probably, in my opinion, the strongest team at this point and the most likely to get to a Super Bowl, in my opinion. I mean, obviously, a lot of things can happen between now and then. I'm just talking where we're at today um i would probably feel most comfortable like if i had to put money on somebody that would probably be the team that i would put the money on at this point um but you know that's going to be a good game for sure but um but that's one that i'm definitely going to pick uh the chiefs
0: yeah i mean patrick mahomes even stated in an interview that the chiefs this year in the playoffs they are rolling you know they're in the place they want it to be he even alluded to um You know, last year where they kind of lost their momentum. And again, I'm going to go back to that a lot because momentum is huge in the NFL, especially in the playoffs, because this isn't like other sports, you know, especially the postseason where there might be a a seven game series or a five game series. You just get one, you know, it's one Sunday uh, or Saturday in this case. So, um, you know, that, that everything's going to come down to Deshaun Watson, I feel. Uh, we already said he, won, you know, he got over the hump of winning that big game uh, last week against Buffalo, but coming in and beating the Chiefs in Kansas City twice in one year, uh, winning his second playoff game, I mean, man, is that such a mountain to climb. Um, but with just having fun on the podcast, uh, for the picks, I'm going to go with Houston uh, just for my pick. Okay. Uh, that's kind of my breakdown of it, but for my official pick, I'm going to go with the Texans on that one.
1: Okay, and uh, another one that we have. We're going to move over to the NFC now. Uh, we have the Seahawks are going to be going into Green Bay and playing the number two seeded Packers, um, and it's always interesting whenever you know the Packers play in the playoffs at home. Uh, you know the legendary Lambeau Field is the background for that one, but even with all that on uh, the Packers side, um, I've said it on the show. I've told you this before. Um, I've thought that the Seattle Seahawks have looked like one of the strongest teams for the majority of this season, and um, and I just even though their record's great, um, I don't buy into Green Bay this year. I really don't, and I do think that the Seahawks are going to find a way to pull out the win, uh, most likely on the back of Russell Wilson and probably with the uh, the continued uh, you know development of DK Metcalf. So, uh, yeah, I'm definitely going to pick Seattle in that game. What do you think, the Jay?
0: Yeah, man, I mean, it's, it's a tough one because, again, the, the home field advantage in football is a, another pretty big factor. Um, Seattle coming into Green Bay. But, yeah, to your point, man, the, the Seahawks have been a juggernaut. Uh, it's, it does seem like um, even just that addition of Marshawn Lynch that we are speaking of earlier kind of gave them an extra hop, skip, and a jump. Uh, so, so, yeah, I mean, um, in comparison to how kind of Green Bay looked towards the end of the year and how Seattle looks now, uh, I'm with you on it. I'm going to go with Seattle.
1: And in our final matchup of the weekend, uh, the Minnesota Vikings are going to go into San Francisco and play the 49ers, the number one team in the NFC. And, uh, you know, the Vikings had all the luck after this weekend, you know, uh, beating the Saints at home. And uh, they definitely look like they got a lot of momentum going. Uh, But unfortunately for Minnesota and the Minnesota Vikings fans, their luck ran out this week as far as I'm concerned because they're going to go into San Francisco, and I think they ran into the brick wall that is the 49ers defense.
0: Yeah, the 49ers defense is is unreal, and if um, Garoppolo can manage the game, um, I, I see him out, out doing cousins. So, uh, again, with home field advantage to boot, uh, Minnesota squeaking by last week. I'm with you on this pick as well. I'm going to go with San Francisco for my official pick.
1: All right, so just to recap real quick, uh, both of us picked uh, the 49ers. Both of us picked the Seahawks. And in the AFC, our choices differed a little bit. As you went with the Texans, I went with the Chiefs, and we both picked the Tennessee Titans – To pull the upset. So, I mean, honestly, man, you know, after one week on the podcast, we did, uh, you know, our our picks and and combined last week, we were seven and one. So let's see if we could top that next week after these games clear out. Um, I'm pretty comfortable with my picks. You sound like you're pretty comfortable with your picks, man. So it's going to be pretty interesting uh, seeing how all this unfolds.
0: Yeah, it's interesting and fun, and, and I I was joking with some of my friends. I was like, "Yeah, can you believe on on the podcast I, I was four and zero with my picks?" And then of course, if I were to go down to the Pittsburgh Casino, Rivers Casino, and bet real money, I would have probably been owing four. So that's the way it works, I think.
1: Yeah, pretty much. And uh, you know, speaking of gambling, uh, some NFL teams this week that uh, their their seasons are finished did some gambling of their own because we've had a coaching carousel going on. We've seen uh, Jason Garrett out in Dallas and replaced by Mike McCarthy, the former Packers coach. Uh, That was the big news this week. Um, I don't like that move at all. Um, I don't think he's going to be the right coach for them. I think that he might have some success there, though, because um, they do have a really talented team. Um, but I don't think Mike McCarthy is going to be the coach that brings them to the promised land. What do you think about the move of the J? I th-
0: I think he's pretty comparable to Jason Garrett. Uh, we were talking about it a bit when we were previewing uh, the NFL. Uh, postseason last week with the coaches and saying how in Dallas specifically you have to play second fiddle to Jerry Jones, the owner and things like that. And um, they're both offensive minded guys. So yeah, it it was kind of surprising because of that. It just seems like he's he's a pretty similar overall coaching style to that of, of the coach they got rid of. Um, you know, if, if it was me uh, just from the outside looking in and commenting on it and, and that sort of thing, I would have kind of went for a much different statured coach than that of, of what Garrett was. But, you know, it's going to be interesting because he, he has had success in. In Green Bay. Um, you know, he didn't win as, as much as people might have thought as a head coach with Aaron Rodgers in his prime and, and a pretty strong team there and that sort of thing. But at, at the end of the day, only one team wins every year. So, you know, he did have success. Uh, he's a solid coach. Um, shout out to him being a, a Greenfield, Pittsburgh area guy and things like that. But, but yeah, th- to, to sum it up, I was pretty surprised with that pick.
1: Also, we saw Matt Rule. Uh, who is the Baylor head coach sign a seven year, $60 million deal uh, with the Carolina Panthers um, showing that they are kind of trying to move in a certain direction for the future. Um, I don't think that's a bad move. I think they definitely overpaid him, but that's going to be a, uh, you know, the name of the game when it comes to getting big program college coaches to come to the NFL. A lot of them are already getting paid a lot of money in college. So the, the NFL teams are going to have to pony up there. Um, I honestly have no idea what to think of that move because Carolina is in such a transition period, uh, going into Cam Newton's last season under contract, um, not making the playoffs. Um, you know, the team could either go way down or way up next season it, it, it's really hard to tell at this point and I have no idea personally how Matt Rule's uh, you know coaching style is going to translate to the NFL I, I just I think it's too early to tell at this point if that's a good move or not
0: yeah I completely agree man it's it's kind of a wait and see situation um I don't, I don't know too much about what he did in Baylor and like you said with Cam Newton's situation um in general in Carolina Just a huge question mark, which goes right with what we're talking about here on What's Real. Question mark city here.
1: That's it. And, uh, you know, we also saw, we talked about this one last week with uh, Ron Rivera going to, uh, you know, the Redskins. And we both gave our opinions on that, so we can move right along there. Um, The weirdest one is probably the Giants. Uh, They hired Joe Judge, who was the, I believe, wide receivers, and he was multiple position coaches for the New England Patriots. Um, Now, I looked into him a little bit because I I knew nothing about this guy. Um, He has coached underneath what is widely considered the two greatest coaches of all time uh, because he... He was on New England staff, so he coached under Belichick, and before working with uh, New England, he was part of the Alabama, Uni- University of Alabama uh, coaching staff uh, with Nick Saban. So, um, obviously, he's worked with some great coaches, that doesn't always translate, and uh, because of this one, this this Joe Judge, you know, rolling coming in and, and going to the Giants, that uh, this is starting to, to spark up a lot of conversation about the minority coaches uh, not really getting a fair shake. And I think that's pretty evident here uh, because and, and the reason why I bring this up is because I was very curious uh, coming into the offseason to see where Eric Bienemy was going to go. Uh, he's the offensive right. coordinator for the Chiefs. He used to be a running back in the NFL. Uh, he's most widely known for uh, Boomer. You know, Chris Berman.
0: Yeah, Eric, sleeping with the enemy.
1: That, that, exactly. <laughs> um, and this is a guy who worked his way up. I mean, he was a, a running backs coach. He worked his way up to offensive coordinator for the Chiefs, which for the last few years has been one of the most potent offenses in the NFL. Um, and also people were mentioning this, too, and this is a great point. I just saw more about this today. Um Byron Leftwich was the offensive coordinator for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers this past season. You know, uh, obviously, he was a former Jacksonville Jaguars quarterback. He was a backup here in Pittsburgh for years, especially during the Super Bowl years. And um, he had the most potent offense passing wise in the NFL last year, because as we mentioned, Jameis Winston led the NFL in passing yards and he didn't even get an interview with teams, which is beyond ridiculous i mean i think he deserved an interview and frankly i think uh eric Bieniemy should be the new head coach somewhere this year and uh even though i can't stand them um the cleveland browns are the only other team to not have they have yet to choose who their new head coach is going to be a lot of people seem to be leaning towards josh mcdaniels um but after what mcdaniels did to the colts last year with taking the job you know, having them put position coaches into play and then basically say, never mind, and going back to New England. I have no yeah, idea why he's getting any reviews any or any interviews anyway. And I think Eric Biennamy would actually be a much smarter choice of a coach for the Cleveland Browns, but I don't think that's gonna happen.
0: Yeah, I agree. I think that they're gonna end up hiring McDaniels from things that I'm reading. But um but yeah, I mean, you know, you know how we go, man, to be completely transparent and honest here from Pittsburgh. Fuck them Go ahead, Browns, hire McDaniels, see what happens.
1: Yeah, and uh, you know, worry about it whenever he leaves you guys high and dry, just like he did the Colts. You know what I mean? Yeah, um Exactly. But yeah, that's about it, man. Anything else you want to add on the uh the action for the week for the NFL?
0: No, man, I'm looking forward to it. You know, this is like I was saying earlier, it's the nitty gritty portion of the playoffs and we're setting up the championship game so uh, I'm I'm looking forward to it man as big NFL fans of course this is one of the best times of the year as far as that goes so I uh, can't wait to sit back and you know when that's that's one catch when you don't have your your team in the the mix you can at least relax because I know you're similar to me hey ed I scare my wife and kids when the Steelers are in the playoffs so yeah. I'll just uh, be able to relax and just enjoy some football and see what happens
1: right on man so uh we're gonna take a quick break because uh, we've been going strong on this nfl talk uh we got to pay some bills and we'll be back right after this on the what's real podcast in 2017 after years of planning churchill pictures with the help of cut and run studios filmed their second full-length feature film here in Pittsburgh's surrounding neighborhoods such as braddock natrona heights and swissville we are churchill pictures established from the bonds of two childhood friends we envision creating visual content that is completely original thought provoking and most importantly entertaining check us out at churchillpictures.com
0: Hey guys, Jared with What's Real Podcast, talking about churchillpictures.com, the brand new rebuilt website from independent production company, Churchill Pictures. Churchill Pictures LLC is Damiano Fusca, Jared Bajoris, and our team. We would proudly like to announce the relaunch of our official CP website, www.churchillpictures.com. We have been working long and hard with our website creator, Evan, dating back to nearly a year ago. Due to other priorities, our website had become very outdated and was in desperate need of being revamped and completely rehauled the new website will act as our personal online art gallery of all our work this will include uh, also work of contributing collaborators we began cp in 2008 and have since created two feature films and numerous other projects most of which can be viewed on the site check it out www.churchillpictures.com churchill pictures picture the possibilities
1: and we're back and uh you know we uh, just finished some NFL let's get into our other favorite sport pro wrestling um, we had a big professional wrestling weekend this past weekend with new Japan pro wrestling's wrestle Kingdom 14. Um, I did not watch the show, but I did see some of the things that happened. Um, It was a two day event for the first time ever, uh, which is something that they, you know, are clearly trying to do is expand on this the best way that they can. And, uh, you know, they're they're starting to turn Wrestle Kingdom into, you know, I I guess the best the biggest show of the year besides WrestleMania.
0: Yeah, because that's what I was going to say. They have well, you know, certain people within the industry and things like that and things that I've read and and heard – have actually talked about Wrestlemania you know people have thrown that out That idea out there for Wrestlemania To do a, a more than one day event You know to spread into two days And as uh, the, the Popular uh, they call it dirt Sheet writer but um, you know Wrestling journalist let's call him Dave Meltzer Said that that, that just would never happen um, For the, the way that Wrestlemania Is and you know the setup of the event Of the whole weekend with NXT Takeover being the night before and things Like that um, but you know that As they say in professional wrestling, never say never, but it was really cool to see um, the Japanese um, side of things and New Japan specifically, obviously, uh, experiment with that, Um, because I think from uh, and I'm with you, I haven't seen the event, but I've researched it a lot. uh, I've seen a ton of clips, uh, read a ton of things about it, and it seemed like it was overall pretty successful.
1: Yeah, it seemed like it. Um, I do know that their attendance was up a few thousand from last year. They hit the 40,000 mark uh, this year, which is huge. Um, and let's just get into it real quick. Just to guys, give you guys a quick rundown of the event. Uh, the main event of night one saw Okada defeat obushi to retain the IWGP Heavyweight Championship. We saw uh, Tetsu Naito defeat Jay White to win the IWGP Intercontinental Championship. Uh, the returning Hiromu Takahashi defeated Will Osprey to capture the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship, and John Moxley defeated. Uh, Lance Archer in a Texas death match uh, to regain the IWGP United States champion uh, championship. I should say also uh, Finn juice defeated the gorillas of destiny destiny to win the IWGP tag team championship. So the first night man was a lot of uh, titles changing hands. And I think that that was kind of surprising of everybody.
0: Yeah, I mean it seems like that kind of happens at Wrestlemania anymore too. Um I feel like the the storylines in in booking uh in the modern age kind of leads to that, you know, for the big shows they want to have those title changes. Uh New Japan didn't do that as much in their past. So I agree with you um for this show it was it was surprising to have that many title changes.
1: And and the good thing too a lot of this stuff wasn't just, you know, hot shotting title title matches and title shots Uh, a lot of it was just to set up the second night which is crazy to think of that they put on this entire show uh just with the anticipation of night two to be bigger and better which i thought was really cool
0: yeah, and, and I like how that that paces things out for the fans to take everything in because I think that's that's kind of the point with what I brought up earlier about the American side of things with WrestleMania. Um, you know, maybe think thinking that uh, the consumer side of it is that's just oversaturation to kind of spread uh, a, an eight-hour event you know, into two nights. Um, but, you know, speaking out loud about it again, like, you know, with WrestleMania, when you talk about the pre-show being eight hours, you know, maybe it would benefit if, if, if it's two nights, four hours each or something, but, uh, you know, just going back to the, the, the topic at hand with this year's wrestle kingdom. Um, I agree with you. And I go back to that, that I, I, I believe that this was successful because of that, um, Pacing decision. You know, I think it was well paced for that first night to be as good as it was and to set up an even bigger night for the second night.
1: And speaking of the second night, just to give you guys another quick rundown, uh, Jay White defeated Kota Ibushi. We saw Chris Jericho defeat Hiroshi Tanahashi in a match that Chris Jericho's been teasing to bring to AEW at some point in 2020. I don't know how serious he is about that, but he did mention that that is a match that they would like to do in AEW. Also, Hiroki Goto won the Never Openweight Championship from KENTA. Uh, John Moxley successfully defended the IWGP United States Championship against Juice Robinson and was immediately met with his next challenger in Minoru Suzuki, which is a great video, by the way. If everybody out there, if you're listening to this and you haven't heard or seen what happened, uh, look that up on YouTube because the, the end result of that was really, really cool. Um We saw Zack Zaber Jr. retain the British Heavyweight Championship against Sonata and Rapongi 3K, defeated the Bullet Club to win the IWGP Jr. Heavyweight Tag Team Championship. We also had a dual title match for the main event, uh, which saw NATO defeat Okada uh, in a double gold dash match to become the first ever dual holder of the IWGP Heavyweight and Intercontinental Championships. Um, Also, there's another match on the show, uh, which was the retirement match of one of the greatest professional wrestlers that has ever lived, uh, probably widely considered to be the greatest junior heavyweight of all time, being Jushin Thunder Liger. And what a career that was. This this is a guy that not only spent his career spanned over 30 years, but um, he had a very successful 20 plus year career after recovering from a brain tumor. Which is absolutely amazing.
0: Yeah,
1: that's uh, Liger is an absolute professional wrestling hero in my opinion.
0: Yeah, man, standing out a juice and thunder Liger, and that's that's one of those things with being uh, kids in the eighties and not having the internet. You know, into the nineties and being pro wrestling fans, and you know, nowadays it's kind of easy to find uh, like the most rarest of rare things and gems. Uh, you can only imagine back being kids before we can even afford to. To do tape trading and stuff as we would do when we were a little older. And um, being WCW fans back then, uh, they did have uh, some partnerships with Japan. So we got to see the likes of Juice and Thunder Liger, um, in particular when he wrestled Flying Brian Pillman uh, when we were kids. And um, to think that he. Is just retiring now, <laughs> and I, I keep alluding and aging myself on this podcast. Last week, talking about my 40th birthday, but being a 40 year old na- man now, and, and watching him as a as a little kid, um, you know, like I said, standing ovation to Juice and Thunder Liger, one of my favorite Japanese wrestlers of all time for sure.
1: Right on, man. So. That's pretty much it for the wrestling segment this week. Uh, not too much to talk about, just mainly the Wrestle Kingdom stuff and Jushin Liger's uh, retirement. So uh, let's take another quick break. We'll be back right after this on the What's Real podcast. What? No air conditioning? No whirlpool? Please. Get built in Bloomfield at the Exercise Warehouse Gym. The Exercise Warehouse Gym is not a health spa. We do not have any gimmicks to interfere with your workout. We've created an atmosphere for results, not lounging around. We do have clean locker and shower rooms for men and women for your convenience. Old-style free weights, including barbells and dumbbells, hammer, body masters, and Nautilus strength training equipment. Treadmills, recumbent bikes, aerobic classes, self-defense classes, personal training by Marco, personal training and gym membership gift certificates available, cooler stocked with protein drinks and bottled water, gym logo t-shirts and hoodies available. Check us out at www.builtinbloomfield.com at 4042 Liberty Avenue, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, 15224. You can call us at area code 412-621-1650. That's area code 412 412- 621-1650. And we're back here on the podcast. Uh, let's get into some arts and entertainment, if you will. Uh, this past weekend, we saw the Golden Globe Awards, uh, which you know was a, obviously a huge ordeal, uh, hosted by Ricky Gervais. Um, some of the big winners over the weekend were, uh, let's see here, who comes to mind the J. Who, who are some of your well obviously tarantino because uh once upon a time in hollywood won a few awards uh brad pitt won uh best supporting actor in a comedy and uh quentin tarantino uh won best screenplay and uh it also won the best comedic film which is kind of a weird way to put it i don't really see that as a comedy even though it is funny um, but you know, it was, a, it was a big night as usual. I, uh, uh, the Irishman pretty much got shut out. Um, and, uh, 1917 won the best drama picture, uh, which is usually a very strong indicator of what we're going to see at the Academy Awards later on this year. Um, did you see the show? What'd you think, man?
0: Yeah man uh, off the bat Ricky Gervais uh you know he he got a ton of attention uh from his opening monologue and what he was saying throughout and and I really enjoyed it because you know the Oscars they don't let you get away with it now um I feel like uh, Seth MacFarlane, when he hosted the Oscars I love that and he got panned for for his performance because I just feel like like these you know Hollywood elites just take themselves too seriously and, and kudos to what they do as artists and things like that and everything else but you know to to get pissed off about him you know singing an open song opening song about um, the you know the actress's boobs. And, you know, he was talking about one of them farting. And I remember that, like, you know, they showed like a cut to their faces and like, you know, making this dis- disgusting face. And it's like, man, if you want a, a stand up com- comic hosting these awards and you want comedy involved, that's what comedy is. And, um, you know, this this performance by Ricky Gervais, which is supposedly his uh, his last hosting gig for the Golden Globes. He's, uh, I guess, quote unquote, retiring from from hosting the awards. It, it really did seem like he went out with a bang And that was definitely the highlight to me. I mean, he even made a joke about Dame Judi Dench as a cat licking her own, what he said, munch. Um, cause that got beeped. So nobody knew if he said pussy or asshole, but he actually even said, uh, that, you know, I guess it's like a British term, you know, munch or menge or whatever the fuck he said. But it was, it was just hilarious nonetheless, uh, especially because it was Dame Judy Dench, you know, the proper British act- actress <laughs> and putting her leg up as a cat licking her own pussy or whatever. So, uh, that was my highlight of it, but, but yeah, I mean, it was still, still cool to see all the awards and, and, you know, kind of a preview of the Oscars. Um, I haven't seen nine. 19- 1917 yet i really want to see that in the theater before it leaves theaters same um and and you know we, we talked about a, a bunch of the top movies of 2019 so we covered a lot of this but a, a surprising one and, and and we could talk about this a little bit hey ed because um, you had brought this up to me when you had first saw the trailer of it and i honestly wasn't aware of it but that's the film jojo rabbit oh yeah and for it to be yeah, for it to be nominated for such big awards when Hitler is literally in the poster um, as you know Taiki Watiti is is actually the the director as well playing Hitler. But um, a personal friend of mine that that I hold in high regard, um, shout out to Damien. He, he watched it not, not too long ago and said it's awesome. So now I'm really interested in that because I know when we were talking about it initially, like I brought up, uh, neither of us really kind of understood the concept really and watching the trailer was pretty wild. But uh, the cast is ridiculous. And from what I'm hearing, it's it's something that's worth at least seeing.
1: Yeah, it sounds pretty good. I mean, uh, it, it's definitely an off-kilter kind of, you know, it, it's sarcastic. It's not pro-Nazi. So, you know, let's get that out there. Um and, and it looks exactly that. Plus, uh, anytime I get to watch Sam Rockwell and something, you know, I'm usually down for that. So that that's exactly. definitely good, too. One of my too. favorite actors. Uh, he never really disappoints. But moving on to a few other things, man, because we have some movies we're going to talk about this week. Um, I know you saw a couple movies. And also, there was another movie that I know you saw that I also saw. So I'm going to talk about that as well um but there's one i wanted to ask you about because i remember seeing the trailers for it and i thought it actually looked really good and and, and you saw this movie um what did you think of uh, peanut butter falcon man
0: yeah you know what that was my sleeper movie of the year um as much as i i am in the research in the movies and again it's it's something we were kind of over in the last podcast talking about us being described as cinephiles and and, and you know me being a part of independent filmmaking and things like that. So I'm, you know, my, 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 fingers are on the pulse, if you will. And I heard a bit about it and I'm a Shia LaBeouf fan. Um, it, it might help that I, I, a lot of people say I look like him or as I say, he looks like me as, as our great friend Runk said, uh, me and my other buddy can make a, a Shia LaBeouf baby maybe, but I digress. <laughs> um, uh, you know it was it was a sleeper movie like I, again, I knew a little bit about it. Uh, of course, I'm biased as being a huge professional wrestling fan that a, a solid aspect um, of the foundation of the story of that was revolving around that. Uh, but to to sum it up, it's about a um, a special needs kid that doesn't have a family that the government put in what's basically like an old folks' home. So he's kind of miserable, you know, because he's he's an intelligent kid and he he just has um this dream because he has this one VHS tape of the sw- the swamp redneck. And I'm sorry, I'm I'm getting that wrong because as as we do the pod, nothing's in front of me here. But it, it's it's um this this wrestling character that he's just obsessed with. So he wants to be a professional wrestler. And in the VHS tape, he promotes his wrestling school. So that's kind of his goal is to, to get to this wrestling school. And and the long and the short of it is, um, without giving too much of a way, he escapes the, uh, old folks home that he's in and ends up befriending Shia LaBeouf's character. And it's kind of like, uh, you know, I heard it described as like a Mark, like a modern Mark Twain kind of, kind of story. And that, that is a great way to explain it. You know, it's kind of just this, this journey that, that these two characters have together and, you know, kind of the odd pairing and, 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 and everything like that. But, uh, to sum, sum it up, it, it was a great movie and, and took me off guard. And uh, it's one of my, my sleeper movies of 2019. It was great. And there's some great wrestling cameos in it, some classic wrestlers at the end, and has like a, a pro wrestling match climax. So, so I fucking loved it, man. It's a great movie. I, I recommend seeing The Peanut Butter Falcon.
1: Sweet. Yeah, I'll definitely have to check that out. Um, I know you saw another movie that I wanted to see. Um, this one's been on my radar for a little bit. Uh, it's called Book Smart. And the reason why it's been on my radar is because it's directed by Olivia Wilde, and she's getting a lot of good remarks for this one. It is a comedy. Um, And this is more... uh, Basically, it's like, on the eve of a high school graduation, there's, uh, what, a couple kids and their best friends uh, realize they should have worked less and played a little bit more. So they're essentially trying to cram four years of fun in one night. Is that a good way to sum it up?
0: Yeah, it's... Yeah, it's it's a lot it reminded me a lot like of a female version of Superbad. Okay. In a lot of ways. You know, cuz it's that similar like high school formative years, you know, one night the whole movie takes place over the the one night similar to to super bad, but you know, I give it to uh, Olivia Wilde for this being her directorial debut. Uh, she nailed it because uh, th- that's an ongoing theme. I think I even mentioned this last week when we were having our film talk, uh, an ongoing theme with me is like the movies that, that catch me off guard. And I, I didn't know m- what to expect from this. I knew it got good reviews. I was interested in checking it out, but uh, just, just watching it, it. It blew me away, man. It was, it was great. It, it had everything you want in a movie. Um, as far as like so many funny ass, like laugh out loud moments, you know, and, and it was very modernized, you know, the, the one um, top female character is a lesbian and things like that, which is cool to see, you know, and uh, yeah, overall, man, um, the, the, the biggest thing that came out of it for me, though, a- after watching the film, and I don't know if you know this, hey, Ed uh but the lead the the second lead actress, cuz there's you know it's, it's two girls best friends so it's basically two lead actresses and um the the one lead her name um, I'm looking it up as we speak um I believe it's yeah Beanie Feldstein she's actually um uh why am I brain farting from uh super bad ironically oh okay uh what's uh Jonah Hill yeah I'm sorry, folks out there. It's been a long, like Ed said, we're we're on fumes here, but we're hopefully bringing you some some entertainment. But yeah, Beanie Feldstein, which is one of the lead actresses in this, is actually Jonah Hill's sister, and I had no idea, and I, it was kind of mind blown afterwards because she looks just like him when you find that out too. <laughs> like
1: yeah, I had no version. idea even, either. So uh, that's kind of yeah. funny.
0: <laughs> but but yeah, it was you know just again to sum it up in the Jared Jared rant fashion, um, I would definitely this is another one I highly recommend. Book smart.
1: And another one that you were talking about, which is one that I haven't seen, but I definitely know what this is. And I know mainly because of the cast. I know it's another comedy uh, with a ton of really, really good comedians. I know Eric Andre's in it. I know Chris, I always say, is it Dalia? is in this? It's uh, a flock of dudes. Yeah. Yeah, he's the lead. Um, This is a movie from 2016 uh, where basically a 30 something decides it's time to break up with some of his best friends in order to finally grow up, which totally just sounds like a movie to me where there's just a million excuses for like insane, stupid comedy
0: yeah and again you know common common theme here it's it's a movie that just caught me off guard that i didn't know much about if anything took a chance on it and then it just blows you away and uh, those those are the best to me because there's so many things with all these trailers nowadays and you know especially the the big comic book movies being all over uh websites now and like kind of broken down before they even get released and you you kind of know what to expect in a lot of ways uh this was one that i just knew nothing about kind of dove in it was all, it's actually on hulu okay. uh, that's how i saw it at least so anybody that might have hulu that's interested in it again it's flock of dudes but uh as you alluded to ed the cast was like unbelievable like one person after the next i'm like oh he's in it he's in it he's in it because um, i th- i think it was um green and kind of on the back of chris DeLille, that if you don't know look him up man he's a one of the top hilarious um not even up and coming i mean he's a just a, a, dist- a, a Established like top tier uh, stand up comic, uh, but not too many people might know about him. Uh, I think his biz- biggest fame right now, um, you know, other than Netflix specials and and being big on the the West Coast and things like that, is he uh, made fun of Eminem and kind of did an Eminem impression. And Eminem, like, loved it, and they worked together even on, a, on a, like, an online video. So, um, you know, he's the lead actor in it. And, uh, yeah, it's just, a, it's just a good, well-paced movie, and there's some hilarious shit. And good comedies are tough to find nowadays. Uh, so, uh, you know, I ha- that's why I wanted to bring that up on the pod because uh, it's a lesser-known one. But, yeah, Flock of Dudes on Hulu right now, or if you could just find it on, hint, hint, Cody. Um, <laughs> it, it's worth checking out.
1: And the last one that we're going to talk about is one that I actually did see. And, uh, you know, it reminded me, too, you were just speaking about it a little bit ago, uh, saying movies that kind of catch you off guard. And this is one that caught me off guard. I knew what it was. I didn't really care about seeing it. I didn't think it particularly looked good or anything. But I caught it on a whim. And I loved this movie. I thought it was awesome. And that's 2019's Ready or Not. Uh, You guys might uh, recognize that with, um, what is it, Samara Weaving, uh, Adam Brody's in it. Um, it has uh, Andy McDowell's in this one. Uh, basically, to give you guys a quick rundown is uh, a couple's about to get married and on their wedding night, they they have to do this thing with their the, the guy's family. It, it, the guy comes from a very, very wealthy family, an eccentric family. And uh, every time somebody gets married, they like to play this big family game. And it's super important that they do this. And, of course, that turns into a whole myriad of comedy, violence, and just batshit insanity at at times. Um, But Ready or Not is a movie that really, really surprised me. I had no idea this movie was going to be as good as it is, and I thought it was awesome.
0: Yeah, I said, man, we we picked the theme because the last movie we're covering this week is right with the uh, the other ones we were just talking about. And I said off off the top of my discussion on it, it goes with the theme of yeah. I didn't I didn't know what to expect. You know, I, I heard it was good. It got the the Rotten Tomato stamp and all that. But I knew nothing really about it going into it, which was great because I I was the same way. I didn't know where it was going to go. You know, I watched it with my wife. Both of I were like glued. You know, both her and I were glued to it. And I feel like uh, whoever the creators were got um, motivated or inspired, I should say, from Cabin in the Woods. Okay. Um, it's not it's not similar in the grand scheme of it, but I think I think you kind of would pick up what I'm putting down. Hey, Ed, where it was kind of just like you know there's this whole other like prophecy kind of thing that yep. they allude to but you never really know what's going on and then it all leads to it yeah you know and because it's it's like like my wife and i both said it's like f- for all the zaniness and i loved how they sprinkled in like some solid comedy yep. like, there were some laugh out loud moments you know Absolutely. and it's like this like crazy ass situation you know and at the end of the day where where they go from point a to to point B, I could have never predicted. So it's you know that's it's, it's that's why it's a great movie, man. It's like being on a ride. Um, but yeah, it just it kind of reminded me of that cabin in the woods thing where you know you think it's one concept and it just goes all these different places.
1: Yeah, and I was gonna say the best advice I could give to anybody out there is um, just watch it. Don't read about it, don't try yeah, and, don't
0: look up any, yeah,
1: just watch it for what it is. I think it's it's much more enjoyable if you do it that way, but yeah, I would definitely yeah. recommend it i I think you would too, right
0: oh good, yeah, good film segment man i you know we we called some good ones this week. these were all top notch recent films um that you know aren't these big huge well known blockbusters necessarily um so yeah, hopefully you you guys listen and take something from this and uh, any film fans, you know, you get some uh, some gems here because all these movies were were really
1: solid to me. And real quick too, I wanted to mention a couple upcoming things. Um, the trailer for Bad Boys for Life has hit online. Uh, that's the third installment of the Martin Lawrence and Will Smith Bad Boys series um, that Michael Bay has done. Um, I'm actually a fan of the first two. Um, I like the second one. Uh, probably more so than I thought I was and I love that I would and I love the first one um I got to say though man this one to me doesn't yeah it doesn't do much for me unfortunately I'll probably still see it at some point but it it just maybe it'll be good but it just really eh, I don't know it, it kind of looks like they're rehashing this one time too many
0: Yeah I'm kind of taking my own advice and, and not really looking too much into it because uh, i definitely know you know i'm in the same boat i know i want to watch it um i did watch the trailer and uh you know i agree with you at this point like there's some aspects that that they kind of look cool and it's it's just always good to see martin lawrence on the big screen you know i i felt like his career kind of took like an odd turn. Cause he obviously had mental issues at certain points, but it seems like he's doing, doing all right now. And you know, Will Smith always kills it. So, so yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see, man. It's, it's tough to tell just from, from the trailer and stuff. So, um, you know, like I said, I'm just going to take my own advice and, and, and just check it
1: out when, when it's time. And another thing that, and this is, uh, I don't know when this is coming, but this looks really interesting. This is called, uh, killer inside, The Mind of Aaron Hernandez, and if you guys don't recognize the name, Aaron Hernandez, the former tight end for the New England Patriots who uh, was sentenced to life in prison for murder and would later commit suicide in his cell. This looks like, a, I believe it's a Netflix documentary uh, series, uh, where they're going to look into the case and uh, into what actually happened to Aaron Hernandez and why he may have committed the crimes that he did. Um, this this looks fucking amazing.
0: Yeah, man, it's just because, it, to me, it was just always such an interesting story. And, of course, you can compare it to the story of O.J. Simpson, where what's going on with NFL players' brains and things like that to cause them to do you know such erratic and crazy things? And Netflix has some great documentaries, especially some of their original ones more recently. So I'm very interested to see this one because you're you're taking an already interesting um, kind of you know because it's kind of a mystery in a lot of ways because like you just said and alluded to, we don't know. Really, what his motivation was being involved with these crimes when he's a multimillionaire, professional athlete that's highly successful—you uh, know—all uh, eventually leading to his suicide. And he's another one where they said after studying his brain that it was equivalent to that of a an aged like 80 some year old man, you know, and he's a 20 some year old super athlete at the time of his suicide. So th- th- this is uh, going to be a really interesting documentary. I feel
1: yeah, absolutely, man. So we're going to have to keep our eyes out for that one. Cause I'm sure we'll be talking about that on a later episode of the podcast as well. So it's time to pay some more bills, folks. We're going to take a break real quick. And when we come back, we're going to be talking about one of our most controversial things yet. Jeffrey Epstein. Jeffrey Epstein. Right after this, here on the What's Real Podcast. Once again, you can find the What's Real Podcast on churchillpictures.com. And premiering Sunday, January 12th, is the Film City Podcast from Los Angeles, featuring movie reviews, breakdowns, and current events. That will be available at 3 p.m. East Coast and noon on the West Coast. From Jared Bajoris and help with Damian Fusca, his podcast partner, they will review Once Upon a Time in Hollywood on the first episode. Don't forget to tune in. That's Sunday, January 12th. And we're back here on the show. And as I promised before we went into break, we are going to talk about one of the most controversial subjects on the podcast to date, even though it's only two episodes in. Uh, And that's Jeffrey Epstein. And the reason why we're going to speak about this, uh, because let me give the little quick caveat. Uh, One of the things on our podcast that me and Jared both collectively decided on that we're not really going to speak a whole lot about is politics. Um, We feel that essentially you get enough of that everywhere else. So it's not really something that we need to provide to our listeners. Um, But this kind of ties into politics a little bit today, uh, being that Jeffrey Epstein, the criminal billionaire, Pedophile, I guess, would be the best way to explain it, Um, who was killed in his jail cell uh, a few months back, or I should say had quote-unquote committed suicide. Um, And the reason why I say that and the reason why we're bringing it up on the show this week is because this past Sunday... Uh, There was an episode of 60 Minutes uh, that had a segment on the Jeffrey Epstein suicide, specifically with Dr. Bodden, who is one of the leading forensic pathologists in the world today and has been for quite some time. You may remember him uh, as the forensic pathologist on HBO's Autopsy back in the 1990s. He's one of the leading most uh, authorities on this type of thing. And uh, if you watch the segment on 60 Minutes, he was hired by Jeffrey Epstein's brother um, to look into this and see what happened to Jeffrey Epstein. Now, before people you know, get the wrong idea here too, um, and, and I feel like this is an important point to make because some people may think that he is going to be biased simply because he is working for the Epstein family, um, and he made it perfectly clear himself that the family doesn't benefit from the outcome either way. Um, they're not going to be on any criminal charges they're not going to have to pay any fines it's not they're just trying to find out what happened to their family member and uh, the findings were very interesting in that Dr. Bodden, uh shows you many reasons why uh, this is most likely not a suicide and could potentially have been murder um, I also believe that Dr. Baden is legitimate um, I've followed his career for an extended period of time, specifically because of HBO's autopsy. He's one of the leading experts in the field. And I pretty much said that, you know, I don't know what happened to Jeffrey Epstein, but I'm more than comfortable with accepting with what Dr. Bodden's outcome will eventually will be. Um, But that's also, uh, as explained in the episode, kind of difficult too because of the, the surrounding case Uh, with the two guards that were on duty the night of his death. Uh, It's an impending criminal trial, so the Department of Justice has held back a lot of information from the family and from the case itself because of the ongoing criminal investigation. Um, I know you had a chance to check this out, man. Um, Did you see this as interesting as I did?
0: Oh, yeah, because it was interesting to me off the bat because, you know, you have one of the highest profiled uh, inmates in the country, if not the world, if not the highest yeah. profiled inmate. And uh, for this to happen, you know, I mean, it got to raise eyebrows. And of course, there's two sides to every story. And, and I know in the um, the interview segment in 60 Minutes, you know, they, there was the one guy um, and I, as always, I apologize without the information in front of me. Worst researcher ever. But um, he he was, of course, saying, you know, it, it's all bullshit. Uh, Jeffrey Epstein just killed himself. He, ar- he already tried killing himself once before but as as you alluded to hey ed i go with um dr michael baden um because of what we know about him we were huge hbo fans as kids and we watched autopsy uh we we know the validity of dr baden and he says straight up that the evidence released so far points much more to murder and strangulation than suicide And that's his quote. And then he goes on to further explain the evidence, um, you know, because there was a a cluttered mess of orange bed sheets strewn across mattresses on the floor in Epstein's cell. Uh, There was a bit of sheet hanging from a grate on the window and other pieces tied to Epstein's bed. Um, There were two nooses photographed in the cell, one being taken into evidence, presumably because it was thought to be the noose Epstein used to kill himself. But um, as we alluded to, there's some doubt about whether the noose is the one Epstein used in his suicide. Um, The guard who found Epstein reportedly cut him down and the noose taken into evidence has two hemmed edges. Another noose photographed in Epstein's cell looks to have frayed edges, though. So... at the end of the day, the bottom line is, and that's the thing about conspiracy theories, you don't get closure from them and we're never going to know probably um, other than what we know up to this point. But all these things considered and what we're talking about right now, the classic thing that I have to go to, man, something's fishy here. You know, come yeah, on.
1: Yeah, that's pretty much the way I feel too. Um, now, it's also it also should be mentioned that they have found other uh, forensic pathologists that have agreed with Dr. Bodden and they found one that disagreed with him and said that this type of thing does happen uh, occasionally when it comes to hangings by suicide um but it's also there's a lot of inconsistencies. Uh, Epstein was supposedly on a suicide watch, which entails things like bed sheets would not be in the room. Um, there are pictures that show he shows he had a sleep apnea machine with a considerable amount of wiring um, that could have been used exactly, for, yep. for hanging. Uh, the, as you mentioned, the nooses don't seem to be the ones that he used. Um, The body was moved, which is something that should have never have happened. The camera in the cell block that night was not working. Another coincidence. The two guards that are brought up on criminal charges up to this point uh, are seen on video in, you know, in video um, sleeping, sleeping. surfing the internet, basically doing anything but their jobs. Uh they're apparently supposed to patrol the cell block every half an hour and there was an 8-hour period where no patrols were done whatsoever. Um and also too with Epstein being uh on a suicide watch, they found a suicide note and a pen or a note and a pen in his cell uh and that's been clearly determined as well that when someone is on a suicide watch they would not be given access to a pen because they could cause a considerable amount of damage with an object like that as well Um, obviously we don't have any conclusions here um, but yeah, I'm with you on this one, man, where there's smoke, there's fire. And, uh, there's definitely something going on here. I highly recommend if anybody is interested in this, you can go to cbs.com. Uh, also there's some stuff up on YouTube, uh, from the CBS morning news. That's pretty good. Uh, that kind of goes through this stuff pretty quickly. And also they had Michael Bodden on again, or I should say Dr. Bodden on again, uh, to speak about it. Uh, all very interesting, Um, so obviously the case is still open and, uh, we'll be happy to follow up, uh, on the podcast moving forward, but that's all we know right now, man. But yeah, I agree with you. Definitely. Something is weird here.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's another interesting case. And, and I apologize earlier. I was saying Baden. Um but, uh, but yeah, Dr. Bowden, uh as you pretty, pretty much men- mentioned, just to wrap up my end of it. Um, he, he had concerns about how Epstein's body was handled. And um first said that Epstein's body was taken to an emergency room and that's just not normal protocol. Yep. And he also said, um, along with other forensic pathologists, um, that Epstein's body should have been photographed as it was found, which would provide essential clues about how he died, which didn't happen. And then I think another big thing on um, the wound on Epstein's neck and specifically how he died and may have committed suicide is that... um, he the way that that Biden sees it is that Epstein's broken neck bone is much more consistent with murder than suicide, as experts have pushed back against that claim since he made it. But he says and concluded that Epstein, um, if he killed himself by by hanging, would have been a lot different injuries. And he suggested that the placement of the marks on Epstein's neck is not consistent with most hangings, which result in marks just beneath the jawbone. And he says a wound straight across the neck is more common when a victim is strangled by a wire or cord. And that is the kind of, um, you know, the, the wound that Epstein had. So, yeah, to, 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 to kind of wrap it up and it was, you know, again, I don't think it was too controversial. You know, he has political ties, but obviously we're we're not talking politics here and, and more of a conspiracy theory kind of thing. But um, I think any anybody that is familiar with what's been going on with this case can admit that it's not just cut and dry.
1: Exactly. And I think that's pretty simple, um, you know, but a- as more information comes in. We will have it for you here on the podcast. It's something we will definitely look back into once more info is available. So, we're going to take one more commercial break and do our quick wrap up. So, we'll be back right after this here on the What's Real podcast.
0: Hey guys, this is Jared with the What's Real podcast. I'm here to talk about The Unsung Movie from Churchill Pictures. The Unsung is a brand new independent feature film from Churchill Pictures in association with Cut and Run Productions that is currently on the festival circuit and will be streaming and available on DVD and Blu-ray in 2020. You can check it out at www.theunsungmovie.com. In an old industrial town, a homeless man roams the streets looking for a place to rest. When a young girl is in danger, Eric runs to her aid and saves her from harm. She leads him to a homeless village where he is inspired by the friendships he makes there through newspapers and a radio Eric learns about a series of murders taking place in town inspired by the comic books he reads Eric creates an alter ego and attempts to get involved with the investigation hope lives in the shadows check out and follow the progress of the unsung movie through churchillpictures.com and TheUnsungMovie.com.
1: correction from earlier. The email address to contact us is what's real pod at gmail.com. That's what's real pod at gmail.com. And we're back. I uh, hope you guys enjoyed the show this week. Uh, something else we wanted to mention on air, uh, which is an absolutely horrible thing that's going on right now. And that is the Australian wildfires. Um, this is horrible. There's been uh, at least 500 million animals that have been killed. Um, Not to mention all the land that's been destroyed and the thousands and thousands of people that are having a really, really tough time. Um, It's really a shame, and it's, you know, my heart goes out to the people over there. I actually have a few Australian friends. Uh, I do know that they're okay, thankfully. Um, But, man, that that shit, it, it, it really hurts to see something like this, man.
0: I mean, you hit the nail on the head off the bat with that very disturbing statistic that 500 million wildlife, um, living creatures have, have already perished, you know, unfortunately much more to come. Um, so, you know, we, we all got to kind of do our part. You know, I've, I've been researching with my wife, how, how we can give something, you know, I'm Far from a multimillionaire and, and can't do too much, but it's one of those situations. I believe that every little bit counts. Um, so we want to kind of find the right charity because, unfortunately, you know how modern charities go too. You can give to the wrong person that that really literally does nothing. So you got to research that a bit. But but yeah, we're looking into to doing our part and to. Um, you know, given some sort of a distribution, because again, I think every every cent counts in a situation like this. Um, you know, shout out to to Pink, um, you know, the singer. Uh, she gave a lot of money and, and and made a lot of awareness towards it. So kudos to, to to celebrities like that. But but yeah, man, it's just a terrible thing to, to see. And and I think that's what we wanted to bring it up and discuss it on the pod, and um, you know, just make people aware of it, just in case you might not be aware of it, and and to just uh, just kind of keep track of it and do what you can, because, um, you know, that could easily be our neck of the woods, you know, and our people, you know, we're all part of the same family as a human being on the planet Earth is the way I look at things. So uh, this is just a travesty and, and and a horrible thing to watch. And I'm hoping that that these things subside, you know, quite obviously sooner than later.
1: Yeah, I, I totally agree there. And, um, you know, one thing I wanted to mention here is, um, you know, in Australia, they only have volunteer firemen. So there's a whole myriad of volunteers out there doing their best job they can to try and help people and um, obviously disaster and recovery are huge here. Um, One place, if you guys want to do something positive, if you have a few dollars to spare and you want to try and do something, um, I recommend going to the Red Cross, which is at redcross.org.au. That's specifically for Australia. That, again, is redcross.org.au. You know, obviously, if you can't, it's understandable. Share, talk to people about it. And if you can afford to do something, please try and do whatever you can because they definitely need the help right now. Um, but moving going along. To-
0: man, that's that's two weeks in a row. Yeah. Yeah, sorry, sorry, Head. I was just saying that's two weeks in a row. We're we're ending the pod on a pretty sad, somber note <laughs> talking about our friend that passed away last week and now Australia Wildfire. So yeah. I'm going to end this one by telling an uplifting story about my penis. <laughs> And it's adventurous. It. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Sorry, folks.
1: Yeah, but uh, but trying to be somewhat uplifting. Here. But we do have some good stuff to finish off uh, with, which is uh, as I mentioned earlier on the podcast, um, we want to hear from you guys as listeners, and we're going to have an email address set up here for you guys to do so. Um, I believe it's going to be What's Real Podcast at Gmail dot com. Is that correct? That's okay. It. So that's, it. that's What's Real. W-H-A-T-S-R-E-A-L podcast at gmail.com. Obviously, you can send in your comments, your questions, your suggestions. Uh, you know, if we get questions at this point, we'll be happy to answer them on the air as long as they're not uh, insane shit, which I don't think we're going to be dealing with that <laughs> quite yet. We have yet to hit the fan base to the <laughs> point where we have all the weirdos in here yet. Uh, so please do that. Let us know what you want to hear and see on the show. We are uh, uploading and we will have a new show every Friday for you uh, unless otherwise noted. Um, so, you know, that's pretty much it for us this week, man. So thanks to everybody for listening. Thanks to your continued support. Uh, we hope you continue to, to join us and we'll continue to keep doing good podcasts, man.
0: Yeah, brother, as usual, man, my shout out to our producer, Cam. Thanks for all the work, Cam. And uh, as I always say, I love the show. Much love to everybody out there. Um, keep following us much appreciated hopefully uh, you're entertained while you're driving or in the shower or pooping whatever it may be but um, but yeah we, we, we look forward to this every week and we hope you do too but thanks for everything hey Eel and I'll be seeing you guys next week or you'll be hearing me next week I should say right
1: on and thanks to our producer Cam thanks to you the J for joining me I'm Ed Demko here on the What's Real podcast thanks for joining us everybody we'll see you next week
0: What's real? What's real? What's real? What's real? <laughs> the real question is,